Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette with my good friend Nick Ferguson here. Nick, it's a short week. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing uh, fine, man. Uh, I guess uh, the question is, uh, how's Broncos country doing? Have they, uh, you know, finished licking their wounds and dusting themselves off and ready to get back on the saddle? Yeah, I I would say probably not, Nick. Uh, And I don't know if that's just because the loss or the two big injuries that we heard about yesterday on Monday. Um, Obviously, we we feared the worst for Javante Williams, uh, and it is the worst uh, towards his ACL Uh, Also had some other ligament damage that sounds pretty serious. So he's done for the year, Nick, um, which is is a massive, massive loss for this Broncos offense that was already struggling, right? Um, And it sounds like, you know, it it could be a pretty uh, serious knee injury. So hopefully, you know, know, our thoughts are with, obviously, Javante. I think he's a great guy. Um, You don't ever want to see that happen. So that's a big blow. And then Randy Gregory. Um, sounds like they don't know the severity of it yet, uh, but he's definitely going to miss several weeks. I saw some reports that it's two to six weeks. Uh, other people saying it was six to eight weeks. Um, I don't think they're really going to know until they get in there and, and actually do the knee scope, but his ACL is intact. He did not tear his ACL. So it's something else going on in his knee. But Nick, what was just your reaction to those two injuries, uh, for those two guys? Well, um, for me, I'll start with Javante. It, it was just kind of uh, heartbreaking and, you know, watching it live on the game, I knew exactly what that feeling uh, felt like. I've had two knee surgeries myself, and when you first get up off the ground and you can't really put any weight on that leg, that that right there was a sign that something was terribly wrong. And then when he just kind of went down on the ground and then to get the, the official news that uh, he, he tore – ligaments in his knee and he's done for the season it is a huge blow for this team from a morale standpoint because you and I you know we're always at practice and you see Javante he's always smiling the guy loves to compete and loves talks about it all the time uh and and just kind of takes the the win out of yourselves uh for for some of the fans the season's not going exactly the way they anticipated but they can always count on Javante to deliver some of those punishing runs and then after what we've seen with Melvin Gordon, you know, everyone was shifting even more heavily towards Javante. So that's a big blow. And then the Randy Gregory. I mean, Randy Gregory, I mean, he's not loading up the stat sheet, but he, he has, 
you know, his, his presence has been felt on that defense as far as his leadership. And just to know that he's going to be out for a significant amount of time, it, it does take away from a team that's still trying to find their place, George. But, but this is the crazy thing about the NFL. Injuries happen. They're taking place all over the league. You just hope that uh, the injury bug doesn't hit your team and it doesn't, you know, continue throughout out the team. So now the Broncos are in the process of trying to find ways to replace uh, the production and the leadership of those two players, Randy Gregory and Javante Williams. Yeah, and you mentioned the injury bug, Nick. And unfortunately for the Broncos, it's hit them on the offensive side of the ball now the last three years, and it's all been ACL injuries. Cortland Sutton, 2020. KJ Hamler, 2021, and now you've got Tim Patrick and Javante Williams, two guys that, you know, Nick, before the season, you could have made a really strong argument that those were the two best offensive players for the Broncos, um, other than obviously Russell Wilson. So it's a huge blow, uh, and it's it's one that I think the Broncos are going to have to fill that void by committee. Uh, Mike Boone. Melvin Gordon, obviously the two guys on roster that are going to have to step up. Uh, Ozigbo, uh, I think, will probably maybe get called up this week. Uh, and then they went outside, signed, you know, the veteran Latavius Murray, um, who we'll dive into him in a bit. But, uh, you know, it's going to be up to those guys to, I think, try and fill that as, as a committee, as a group. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a one-man show unless, you know, Mike Boone turns out to be a Pro Bowl type guy. Uh, now, I really like Mike Boone. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I do think that it's going to be something where you see a lot of rotating in and out of there. And then for Randy, you know, luckily he's not out for the year. They're going to get him back in the most important stretch of the season, right? Uh, if you can stay afloat and get him back for those last few games to make a push for the playoffs, that's when you need him most, right? Uh, it sucks that he's going to be out, you know, and we don't know how long. So maybe it's shorter than we anticipate. Uh, but you're going to need guys like Baron Browning, right? They moved Baron Browning for this particular reason. Uh, this is why they, they made that move. They drafted Nick Benito for this reason, right? So they're going to need those guys to step up. Jonathan Cooper, who's who's been banged up, I don't expect him to play for a while. But they, when he gets back, they're going to need him to play well. So uh, I, I think that they have some guys there, but it, it's certainly a blow because Randy was playing really, really good football for them. So uh, I think that both these losses are pretty big, uh, but you're right, Nick. It's part of the NFL, right? That's that's the that's the league. So other guys are going to have to step up moving forward. Yeah, other guys are going to have to step up, and it is kind of the nature of the beast. And as a fan base, you just don't want it to be, you know, your guy, because when it starts to happening multiple times, that that word comes out, snake bitten, and we've heard a lot of it, and that's not what this team needs at this particular moment, as they're still trying to find their way through the murky waters as a team and as an offense. So you, you just start to cross your finger, knock on wood, and pray for a little a good luck. But uh, I guess there is a, a pro side of it, if you want to look at it that way. It gives other guys an opportunity to step up and show what they can do. Like Nick Benito hasn't really played uh, all season long. He's been somewhat of a sideline spectator. So, you know, this gives him an opportunity and hope like he's learned from, you know, the preseason that he can come in and be a constant contributor, not just be a guy, you know, third and long situation that he can kind of get up the field, but no, prove that you can be an every down, you know, guy and, and learn from the guys in front of you. So hope, hopefully that uh, uh, has happened. You, you mentioned Exigbo. Well, hey, listen, short week. You've been here for a while. I would love to see uh, what he can do on the field. I mean, you go back and you look at, you know, some of his tape when he was at Nebraska, you know, he put some good stuff on film. And then you go back and look at what he was doing in limited action with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the guy got some talent to him. He got some wiggle. He got some power to him. But he hasn't really been in a situation like this, you know, pulling spot duty on a short week saying, hey, listen, we're down one of our best backs. And now we have to go back to this running back by committee. Can you step up and be the lead guy in that committee? So it's going to be interesting to see how things move forward. Yeah, and Nick, you mentioned one guy briefly there that, that I wanted to dive into really quickly, and then we can jump into some Latavius Murray stuff. But uh, Nick Benito, uh, obviously, you know, second-round pick from Oklahoma, uh, a guy that we have not seen a ton of. I believe he was inactive maybe for the first couple games. Uh, he played, I think, seven snaps this last week. What have just been your expectations for Nick so far, and, and what do you want to see from him 
in these first few games that he's actually going to get some meaningful playing time? Well, you know, my expectations uh, from, you know, looking at Nick Nino coming out of Oklahoma was just like the guy is uh, an elite talent. Uh, he's long. He can bend. He can turn the corner. But it's just like, well, that's doing those types of things in college, right? It puts you on the scene in NFL. But then you have to make that adjustment to the NFL because you're playing against some elite talent, whether it's left tackle or right tackle. And for me, it's, you know, the speed and athleticism is there, but it's constantly using his hands and working his hands. But my biggest thing and, and that what I saw in the preseason was that he was so used to just getting up field, right? And that was just it, just getting up field and not really, you know, encapsulating or thinking about the entire game itself. And that's where we saw, you know, in the Buffalo Bills game, they were able to run the ball on, on, on the team. But, you know, looking at what just happened with, the, the Las Vegas Raiders and yielding over 212 yards, 144 of those yards going to Josh Jacobs alone. I mean, look at what the, the Colts have built like, right? They want to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor is an exceptional runner. He runs with speed. He runs with power. So you're going to be in be in, in those modes at times where you're not just going to be able to get upfield to get after Matt Ryan. You're going to have to be able to sink your hips, play with your hands, and run and chase and, and make some some tackles from the run game standpoint. That that's where I would like to see Nick Benito definitely improve. But once again, it may seem as though like maybe that uh, I don't like the kid, but that's not the thing. I know he still has some more maturing to 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 go. But that that's kind of one of the things that have stood out for me. Yeah, Nick, and and I, I obviously watched a lot of him. I actually covered him when I was at Oklahoma uh, his freshman year and. He's coming from a totally different defensive scheme uh, at Oklahoma. He was doing a lot of twists and stunts and just basically pass, you know, rushing the passer. And he wasn't asked to, to do a whole lot. So, you know, setting the edge, uh, playing the run game, dropping back in coverage, which it seems they've been doing quite a bit with their outside linebackers this year. That's not something he's 100 percent used to. So he's still learning on the fly. I do think he's shown some improvement and obviously earned some trust to get out there in some of these games. Um, you know, recently. So I, I think that, and, and now it's, it's, you just have to have that trust, right? Because they, they really don't have a whole lot of bodies, especially on a short week, uh, like you said, Nick. So I think that he's still got a lot of learning to do, but the, the potential's there, right? The talent is there. We've seen it. Um, the, the guy can play and he can really rush the passer when he's asked to just do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does this week, especially on a short week and, and just uh, if he can make a, an impact because you know, if he can get around the edge there and, and get after the quarterback, make a sack fumble, uh, then all is right, right, with Nick Benito. So uh, going to be fun to watch him play this week. Nick, the other one we, we want to dive into, Latavius Murray, signed late last night uh, from the Saints. He actually played on Sunday against the Vikings. I think he had 57 yards and a touchdown. What did you think of the signing? Uh, obviously, a guy that's been in the league a long time, I think nine years, rushed for over 5,000 yards. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, that's played a lot of football. So I feel like it's a it's a really good signing for the Broncos to get this type of a veteran after losing Javante. Yeah, I mean, I like the the pickup because when you, you look at what other guys were out there, I would have to say the cupboard is bare. And yeah. to grab a guy who just played uh, on an international game, right, uh, in the UK, and he did a, a good job coming in for Alvin Kamara, and guess what? You know, he's going to go back a second time when the Broncos go to play the Jacksonville Jaguars over in the UK. But yeah, I, I like the pickup. I've always liked Latavius Murray. He always, you know, is a guy that runs hard. Uh, he runs behind his pads. And he, here's a guy who helps out Russell Wilson. Once they get him up to speed as far as what they're going to need him to do, this is a guy who can run between the tackles. This is a guy who can catch the ball out of backfield. Here's a guy who can break arm tackles too, but more importantly, he can step up and he can stow on the blitz and linebacker. So the Broncos for, for right now, uh, I'm going to say they're in a good place with Latavius Murray signing, but once they get him up to speed, we'll be able to tell more how that fits. But I personally think that this is a good fit for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll play this week just because, I mean, he's coming back from an international game, uh, obviously the jet lag and everything that goes with that, uh, you know, that's why they typically give teams off the week after they go to uh, these international games. So I don't think he'll play. Also, he has to try and learn an entire offense within the span of, 
you know, three days. The Broncos are essentially only doing walkthroughs these three days. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but Nick, what do you think this means for for Melvin Gordon? Uh, what do you think this means uh, for him moving forward that they were able to go out and get another veteran guy? Um, and do you think that maybe Latavius becomes their guy? Well, at some point, if it all depends, once again, on how well that Latavius learning curve is and how quickly he can get down uh, the offense before that actually takes place. But it, it's more of an incentive for Melvin to get whatever is going on with him uh, correct. I, I told you before, the problem that I see as a defender when you know Melvin Gordon's running the ball is when he gets ready to take on contact, he leaves his arm away from his body, exposing the ball. And for me, I think it's a it's it's a simple fix. You know, me saying that it may sound easier than done, but just kind of putting two hands on the ball when you are in the pile. But now it's kind of the mental aspect of it now. And then knowing the team went out and grabbed another running back, that's going to put extra pressure on him. But Melvin just has to understand that he's been in his game a while. He's competed at Wisconsin. This is just part of it. Either you're going to elevate your game or you're just going to go drop below the bar. But I, I, I like to say, Jordan, you tell me, I, I have enough confidence in Melvin Gordon that he's going to break through this at, at some point. And this may be the week to, to break through it. And nothing encourages you more than having to look over your shoulder. So the, 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 the Tavis Murray signing is going to make this running back room much better. But obviously, like you said, we're not going to see him on Thursday night football. Yeah. And, you know, this is a big week for, for Melvin because I do think we're, we're going to see quite a bit of him. Uh, Nick, we've talked about when injuries happen, the other guys have to move to special teams, right? Uh, Mike Boone is a key special teams player. So how much do you play him on special teams if he's going to be the starting running back? I think we're going to see a lot of Melvin Gordon to maybe take some of that load of, off of Mike Boone because I think we're still going to see Mike Boone on some special teams. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos deal with that moving forward. But I do think Latavius Murray could end up being this, this team's primary guy by the end of the season. He is a guy that can play really good football, uh, has played a lot of really good football throughout his career. So, um, But I, I still think we're going to see a lot of Melvin Gordon too. Like I said earlier, I think it's going to be by committee. You're just going to see you know, who has the hot hand, who do they like on third downs, uh, you know, who do they like in, in short yardage situations? Who do they like in the red zone? I think it's, it could be a mix of all three of those guys. And again, if one of one of them else goes down, um, you're looking at Ozigbo, you know, stepping up. And I think we're going to see him on Thursday. I don't know how much he'll play. I think he'll play some special teams probably, but uh, I don't know if he'll be in the backfield a ton. So, Nick, let's take a quick break. Then we'll dive into uh, Thursday night football coming up short week. Uh, what are our expectations uh, and some more, you know, injury news and things like that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys. Welcome back from that quick break. Nick, we're back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this this uh, this Broncos offensive firepower. I know you've got something on your mind that you want to bring up about where, where maybe the offense can maybe include maybe someone else that they haven't been. Uh, including so far through these first few games. Yeah, I mean, that that person has been a star of uh, training camp, and he is proving to be uh, just that, uh, just a, a, a star right now, and that's uh, Montreal Washington. 
And this guy's not just a gem on special teams. And when we, we saw him in the Raiders game, I think he had returns of 30, 20, and maybe 14 yards. And once again, looking at what this league is and, and knowing as though we see so much of 11 personnel, that's three wide receivers. To, to me, the, the Broncos need to unleash the beast, if you will, and pull out all stops when it comes to trying to move this offensive line. And look, I mean, this this league is about cutting your teeth, showing as though that you've earned the right to get those extra reps with the defense or with the offense. And I'll say that, you know, Montreal Washington has definitely, you know, earned that. No one expected him to contribute the way that he's contributing on special teams and just kind of, you know, being that 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 bright spot, you know, on the special team unit. And for me, it's like, put that guy in. We know that what he can do uh, if you give him space. So um, imagine, you know, you have uh, you, you have Cortland Sutton, then there's Jerry Judy, and then you also have, you know, Montreal Washington pulling up that third wide receiver spot, finding those little small areas. There's a dink and dunk. You're throwing it to him in a flat now. He's in space, and that's basically what being a kickoff returner or punt returner is, is trying to maximize the most in open space and make a guy miss. So why not throw him in the lineup, put a couple of, you know, gadget plays, make sure it's not one of these plays where he's got to pitch it to someone, but give him some bubble screens, some tunnel screens, get him out in space. To me, that would take the pressure off that offensive line and definitely take that pressure off of Russell Wilson. Yeah, Nick, I've actually been advocating for this for a long time. I think that this could give the offense a, a really good spark. I mean, you look at, yeah, you do have Cortland Sutton, and he's—I mean—he's been phenomenal for them so far this year. But teams are teams are going to start trying to take him away, right? I think we even saw that a little bit in the Vegas game. Teams are trying to take him away. Jerry Judy is still—it seems like he's still trying to find his way. KJ Hamler played like four snaps and obviously came up with the the, the biggest catch of the game there. Uh, but you know, we haven't seen him a ton. I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy. You lose one of your running backs, like. You need to have some sort of spark on offense. And I think part of the issue, though, Nick, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times they have these personnel groupings that, you know, it's it's, you know, just Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and like two or three tight ends. And I just find that sometimes that's a little bit wasteful just because we haven't seen the tight ends like at all. Right. And I know sometimes that's running the ball and that's different. But when you get these third long situations, I don't understand why Montrell isn't on the field and why they don't maybe use him more. And we actually have audio here. Nathaniel Aska was asked about Montreal Washington and the punt returns and maybe how they could use him in offense going forward. So here's the audio from Broncos.com. Confidence. Uh, he's gotten a lot of confidence. I mean, both fielding the punts, uh, making plays afterwards. Uh, I give so much credit to Coach Stooks, Coach Mao, and just that whole unit. They've been giving him some lanes uh, so that he can make some plays and use his skill set. And I think that watching him with his confidence, being able to catch that ball and start returning it and getting some explosive plays, uh, it's exciting. It's, it's going to be exciting every time somebody's got a punt to us. Nick, do you think he'll break one this year? Because it looks like he was really close. the other. It looked like he was really close the other day. You know what? There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, I would love to see it. I mean, he is getting close, but that comes with a commitment from everyone blocking up front because the idea is that you know you got a talented guy and he's going to catch the ball. I haven't really seen him fair catch the ball uh, a lot. And he's running and sifting through, and it's like he's not worried about his body. So for me, when I play, you know, Jacoby Jones were, and I played in Houston together, and that was kind of our idea that, hey, we know we have a guy that's back there who has the talent, the skill set, and he's freaking reckless that we need to make sure we block our guys and sustain those blocks to give him those creases so he can hit his head on the goalpost. So at some point, something's going to break like that for, you know, Montreal Washington. But listening to Coach Hackett talk about how great he is and how great it is to see him out there running space and how explosive he is, you would think, okay, hey, you know what? If he's doing it on special teams, George, why don't we put a couple of plays in and create somewhat of an alley or, or, or chasm for him to run through it just like it is a punt return? I mean, am I wrong in thinking that way? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I think that get him in bubble screens, get him in some crosser routes, uh, even throw it to him deep, man. Like the guy's, the guy's a burner. I mean, he's, he's going to beat guys. Um, and, and he's also going to be a guy that I don't think teams are going to like key on. Right. I mean, I think teams obviously know he's got speed and he's got talent, but like he's not going to like if he runs out there with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I mean, he's third on the list, right, of those of those guys. So I, I think that 
you could find some favorable matchups for him to make some plays. So maybe that's something they, they dial up this week, Nick. Uh, maybe that's something they, they install this week. Maybe we see something this week on Thursday night football in a short week. Uh, and that's what I wanted to touch on next, Nick, is what are some of the pros and cons? Did you play on Thursday night football? Did they have that back in your day, Thursday night football? Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. No, I did. You did not. Oh, I did. Man. I did. What, what's that like preparing for a short week, Nick? Oh, it's just like you asked me, hey, man, uh, back in your day, did they have those rotary phones? Or, or could you, I mean, no, man. <laughs> yeah. They had uh, Thursday night football uh, back when I played. Thank you, George. But uh, you know what? As a player, you know, Thursday night football, uh, I, I really didn't I didn't really like it as a player because, once again, your week is cut in half. If you get banged up on that Sunday game, you only have so many days to get right for, for Thursday. And you, you're not in your normal routine. And, and this is why, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, they have those, those breaks and you have the, that, that day off is because guys got to get their body back to being prepared to take that pounding and deliver that pounding. And on Thursday night, you don't get that opportunity. And from a coaching standpoint, uh, it, it is uh, not a favorable one because you got to get get in all your materials uh, before before uh, the game uh, gets going, and you don't have an opportunity to change anything. So I'm not we're not going to see too much changing from either side. You know, Frank Reich is not going to change that much. Nathaniel Hackett is not going to change anything. The practice this week is probably going to be all walkthrough. Maybe they may throw in a wrinkle or two, but not that many plays. But as a player, you really don't like it because of the toll that it takes on your body. Now, some players have said that they love it because now you get somewhat of an extra, like an extended buy because you don't play for the following Sunday. I just don't like it, but this is where we are right now. So here's what the Broncos have to do. We were just talking about Montreal, Washington. This would be an excellent opportunity for them to throw a couple of wrinkles in, in, in this game plan because this is the first time, you know, the Raiders game that we actually saw Russell Wilson look like Russell Wilson and throw the moon ball, even though it was to uh, K.J. Hamler. To me, you use Montreal Washington, you know, as, as a guy who can just stress the field, just back off the defense and work everything underneath the shallow routes and the intermediate routes. So hopefully that's what Nathaniel Hackett is thinking for the game on Thursday night. Yeah, and we have some audio here from Nathaniel Hackett about playing on Thursday night football, the challenges, but also, I, I believe, you know, looking forward to it after, you know, losing on Sunday. First and foremost, it's about preparation. They have to understand how much uh, mental it is, is because we're going to have to walk through uh, this. Uh, that would be tomorrow, two days. So they're going to have to really lock in from a mental perspective and then take care of their bodies. I mean, we just had a battle the, uh, yesterday versus the Raiders, and now we got another one right around the corner. I personally, is, you know, hey, we lost, and so you want to get back on the field and prove yourself again. I think all of us as a team, we want to get back out there, and we want to go back to work. So it's a close turnaround, and uh, that's part of it, and we're excited to get back out on the field. And thanks to Broncos.com for that audio. Uh, Nick? Do you, do you think that there's something to that of like, hey, we just lost? And, and obviously it was um, kind of a, a, a morale type loss, too, in terms of you lose, you know, two players that are obviously beloved in that locker room, um, two important guys on the team. And you also lose in a fashion that it felt like the Broncos had a chance to win that. Do you think that plays into, you know, we're happy that there is a short week to turn around and play? I mean, yeah, that's kind of uh, the, the bonus part of it. Uh, that you do get an opportunity to kind of uh, put that loss behind you. And Thursday night, you get a chance to go out there from your home crowd. Uh, and, and that's, the, I guess, if you want to say the great thing about Thursday night football, in this case for the Denver Broncos, is that the Colts have to come to you. So they have players that are banged up. They're going to lose a, a day of preparation, which the Broncos will be able to take advantage of, you know, of that from uh, guys getting their bodies, you know, the treatments and the things that they need. But also that extra day of, of, of walkthrough, the Broncos would have somewhat of a slight advantage, not a big advantage, but a slight advantage. But, you know, once again, Thursday night football, you know, it can be that, that great equalizer because both teams have played that game on Sunday. It all depends on how battered and bruised uh, either side uh, are at the time. But, you know, looking at the injury report, Javante Williams, Randy Gregory having their injuries. 
and the Colts have some injuries on, on their own as well. So it, it should make for an intriguing game on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson was on the uh, the injury report for the Broncos. He's, I mean, he's expected to play, uh, but he's got a uh, a shoulder injury on his on his throwing shoulder. Um, and and Hackett said it was just a little bit sore. Are you concerned at all about seeing Russell Wilson for the first time on the injury report as a Bronco? No, man. You think about this, George. How many times did we see the uh, New England Patriots injury report? And they had like almost uh, like 20 players on the injury report. Tom Brady was always on the injury report. But to me, it's just kind of a precautionary reason. If a guy has a nick uh, here and there, you know, definitely some teams want to put him on because, you know, there's a rule in the NFL now. If you don't report a guy and his uh, injury and you don't list him on the injury report as being questionable, doubtful, or, or limited, then that could be problematic later on with the league. So, you know, Coach Hackett knows what he's doing. He's taking the right precaution. And this is a perfect week, Thursday night football, for, for guys to be put on this list and, and actually give them some time to walk through. And I'm sure after the game uh, on Sunday, Russ could use it because, once again, this is the first time we've seen Russ look like Russ of old, right? And people have said that, well, he's, he's washed. He's not the same guy anymore. Hey, listen. If, if you're in your 30s and you're running around like that and you got Max Crosby bearing down and you're trying to put your face in the, in the dirt, then you're going to have a couple of bumps and bruises. So I don't look at it as being anything serious, George. And if it was, then you hack it probably wouldn't have told us anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think it's serious. I was just trying to stir the pot, Nick, uh, you know, as, <laughs> as I typically do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but a couple guys that were on there that I don't think will play, uh, P.J. Locke, Aaron Patrick, both concussions, uh, obviously two special teams guys. Uh, Quinn Miners uh, with the hamstring. I, I don't think they would try to turn around him. It sounded like he had a, a setback last week. I don't think he would play. Caden Stearns was one that um, popped up that I was a little worried about, hip and chest. Um, and then you've got Jonathan Cooper with the hamstring and obviously Randy Gregory, Javante Williams. But um, – Nick, any of those guys stand out? I mean, P.J. Locke and Caden Stearns, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know the severity of, of Caden's, but obviously I don't think P.J. will play. I guess that could maybe mean the rookie uh, Delarian Turner-Yell could, could be playing a little bit on Thursday night if they have to. Yeah, Turner-Yell played a little in the game uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. So, and, and I guess the thing about it, you know, he, he's primarily playing uh, special teams, and that's where P.J. Mm -hmm. was kind of filling that void. So, I mean, once again, these are the things that happen. PJ's in concussion protocol. Uh, Caden Stearns, these are the bumps and bruises that you have uh, as an NFL player. And with Justin Simmons not expected to return for maybe another week, then these are injuries that you have to uh, definitely fight through. You just got to make sure that you're getting your, your treatment sometimes uh, once, twice, maybe three times a day to make sure that you're ready to go on Thursday night. Yeah, and, and also I should add that uh, tight end Greg Dulcich and cornerback uh, Michael Jamudia, who have been on the injured reserve, I believe both are expected to practice this week. I guess practice in air quotes, um, you know, with, with walkthroughs and stuff. I don't think they'll play, Nick. Um, you know, neither one has practiced, especially Dulcich, when you talk about trying to learn an entire offense. He's not been out there, so I just don't anticipate that they'll throw him out there. But at the same time, they really need a spark at that tight end spot. I mean, they just have had nobody – make a whole lot of plays there other than Eric Sauber. And, and that's even far and few between. So I don't think we'll see maybe Michael Ojemudia, right? Because his, his defense is something that he's played in quite a bit and they need some cornerback depth and, and some depth in that, that secondary, especially if, you know, Locke can't play, who's going to play that dime spot for him. I, I know we saw rookie Damari Mathis out there a little bit as well. Um, so I'm interested to see if, if those guys play. I don't think they will, but Nick, let's take a quick break. Then let's dive into some of these key matchups. Uh, for this Broncos Colts game on Thursday night. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And Nick, let's break down this game. Um, I feel like we have, we, we've obviously talked about the Broncos, you know, problems and, and the injuries and turning around and playing on a short week. Uh, but let's dive into this Colts team. What stands out? What, what are some of the big matchups that you want to see the Broncos execute to, to win this game on Thursday night? Well, considering the fact that the Broncos have uh, given up, you know, uh, multiple sacks 
over the past couple of games uh, against the, the Texans. And then you look at what happened with Max Crosby uh, on Sunday against the Raiders, that that's kind of a, a problem for me. And when you look at this pass rush of, of the Colts, man, this, it, this is a good group. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, Quiddy Pay, uh, DeForest Buckner. I mean, this is a group that can really get after you and harass your quarterback. And, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you know, Russell has somewhat of a sore shoulder. How serious is it? You know, we really don't know. I mean, we don't want it to go from, you know, mild to severe, you know, with this group coming uh, after you. And they're hungry. I mean, la- last week they were down uh, against the Tennessee Titans, but they were able to rally back and, you know, cause some problems for Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. And don't forget, the week before they played Kansas City, and that was their first win of, of the season. So this is a front four that knows how to get after uh, the quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Nathaniel Hackett tries to balance this knowing as though he doesn't have Javante Williams and who's going to be that lead back, who's going to step up there to help stop this pressure that we're going to see on Thursday night, that Russell's going to see rather on Thursday night. Yeah, I think uh, this this Colts defense is is a good one um, in terms of getting after after the after the passer. And uh, I think that you're, you're right, Nick. I think that's the biggest concern when you look at some of the, the plays, you know, that really cost the Broncos on Sunday against the Raiders is, you got to block, you know, you, you got to block uh, Max Crosby, right? Uh, yeah. Chandler Jones. I mean, they didn't they didn't block him on a, on a few plays, and it cost them. Uh, and I think that that's going to be something against the Colts that that the Broncos need to clean up. I think we need to see more from Garrett Bowles, right? You can't have those holding penalties and, and uh, those penalties that that are self inflicted wounds that that start you behind the chains. And, and I think that that's what you want to see from the offensive line this week. And I think that would obviously help the offense move forward. But Nick. I think the biggest matchup is on the other side of the ball. When you talk about what the Raiders were able to do on the ground with Josh Jacobs, what is Jonathan Taylor going to do to this defense if they can't figure out how to stop the run this week? Now, it wasn't an issue before last week, right? We, we saw them. They were really good against the run, um, you know, before before Sunday against the Raiders. So uh, what are your expectations for the defense in terms of tackling and stopping Jonathan Taylor? Because I think that is maybe the biggest concern for me for the Broncos this week. Well, I can tell you this as a, a former defensive player and the guy that uh, ha- had our experiences as a team where a guy just kind of ran for more yards than we wanted to actually give up. Uh, you know, after being embarrassed, and let's call it that, and having your, your feelings hurt, you want to come out and you want to put your best foot forward. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's exactly what happens with the Broncos defense as a whole that they decide, hey, listen, I mean, we didn't play our best ball against Josh Jacobs and, and the Raiders, and we, we surrendered a lot of tackles. I mean, when you look at the yards at the contact for Josh Jacobs, there was a lot of them out there. And that just goes back to guys being in the right position, knowing where your teammate is, being able to wrap, grab cloth and, and, move, and drive your feet. So we know that uh, Jonathan Taylor is an extraordinary uh, running back, uh, another Wisconsin running back. You got Melvin Gordon and you have – uh, Jonathan Taylor playing in this game. And when you look at Taylor now, let's not forget in that Tennessee Titans game, he left because of an ankle injury. It is a short week. So you do get the injury report. So you know he has a, a, a bum ankle that he's trying to hope or he's hoping, George, that is going to hold up, uh, you know, against the Broncos. So for me, this is a game where you want to game tackle a guy like that. You want to pile on him, not not to hurt him, but you just want to wear that ankle down and see uh, how strong uh, that ankle is. But th- this is this is a game where the defense needs to come together. That was the only part that they were giving up. As far as the passing, you know, you know, hey, Derek Carr did a couple of things here and there, but it's nothing that you know that he's like, oh man, you're really disappointed about. But it was just a ground game that sometimes is demoralizing for a defense because when you know a team is going to run the ball, George, and you still can't stop them. That, that's really difficult, and that strikes you right here in the heart. Yeah, and, and I wanted to ask you about that that Colts passing game, Nick, because I it's definitely not as lethal as uh, the Raiders passing game, right? I mean, they've got some nice players out there, and Matt Ryan has been kind of up and down, um, you know, to start for the Colts. And I think that, again, you're kind of seeing that across the league with these new quarterbacks and new teams and, you know, getting a new schemes. I mean, we, we've seen it here, obviously, with Russell – um, in Denver, but what have been your impressions of Matt Ryan, the passing game, Michael Pittman Jr., another big matchup this week for for Pat Sertan, who's just been, I mean, 
phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't see how he's not going to be a pro bowler this year at, at this rate. But what maybe stands out to you about Matt Ryan in, in this passing game for the Colts? Well, Matt Ryan is a, a veteran. He's He's been to the Super Bowl, so so he, he knows his game uh, really well. Now, the thing, the, the con to uh, Matt Ryan is not that he's a uh, – He's not that fast in the pocket. Now, he would slide and climb the pocket just to buy some time. But you don't have to worry about what we saw last week with Derek Carr. Once the pass rush got around him, it was a crease, he ran. I mean, you're not going to really see Matt Ryan kind of do that. So if, if I'm the edge rushers, that's one thing that I'm thinking about. But he does have some weapons around him. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Is, uh, emerges one of the top receivers in this league. Uh, Jelani uh, Woods. Is a six-seven tight end, and last week against the Titans, he made some noise because he's a big guy, big catch radius, and he he can run over guys. But the guy that really stood out and jumped off the page last week was Mo Ali Cox. I mean, I think he had two touchdowns last week from from Matt Ryan, and he's starting to build, you know, a lot of confidence in him, and that's kind of become one of his go-to uh, guys as well. So they they have some uh, some some wide receivers uh, that that they try to get the ball to, and, and Matt Ryan is still the development that chemistry with. But, you know, don't, don't be mistaken, man. I mean, he, he still can uh, sling the rock. So if the defense is having a down day and they're feeling bad uh, about, about the fact that, hey, they, they lost to the Raiders and they're playing on Thursday night, he would definitely take advantage of them because that game against the Kansas City Chiefs gave them so much confidence because the Colts did something that the Broncos haven't done and what, I don't know, what, 9, 13 games, and that was beat the Chiefs. So they're coming in on Thursday night football saying, we, we, we have some momentum. We have confidence. We, we can run the ball on them. And also, by the way, we beat the team in their division that they can't beat. Right. Yeah, I mean, that definitely gives them a confidence boost. In, in terms of Matt Ryan, Nick, I pulled up his stats here. Uh, 1,125 yards, five touchdowns, 60, 66.2 completion percentage. Uh, but here's the key, Nick. He's thrown five interceptions. That's second most in the NFL right now. So there's definitely an opportunity for the Broncos to turn Matt Ryan over. He's also been sacked 15 times. Uh, so I wonder if the Broncos can maybe get after him a little bit. Uh, and, and, and like you said, he's not as mobile. Obviously, Derek Carr took off a couple times, picked up some first downs on the Broncos defense. I don't think Matt Ryan's going to be doing that. Uh, so I think I wonder if, if the Broncos can get some pressure on him and create some, some maybe some big turnovers in this game. Um, but Nick, I, I want to flip back to the other side of the ball uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the Broncos offense and where they need to improve. Uh, one thing that they've not done, and I want to see this week, is third down efficiency. They've been really bad on third downs. So they're 23rd in the league right now, 35% uh, conversion rate on third downs. And I, a big issue of that, Nick, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like every time they have a third down, it's third and 10, it's third and eight, third and 12. You know, it's, it's these these long situations. And it's because, like I said earlier, they're getting these pre-snap penalties or they're getting no yards on first and second down or, or whatever it may be. Nick, how do you go about fixing that? I think we both know the answer to this, right? It's you have to be better on first and second down to be good on third down. But what has been the issue for the Broncos on third down, in your opinion? The issue is that, um, I mean, listen, you're behind the chains. So now you're in desperation mode. And you brought this up earlier when it comes to Cortland Sutton. On third down, usually the ball goes to him. And the opposing defenses, they, they are aware of that. So it's like this change up the strategy as well. But also here's what we've seen. We've seen teams noticing the Broncos being their struggles on third down. And guess what they're doing? They're sending pressure. Let's go back to uh, the Niners game, Nate Hobbs, and then the 49ers game, Wufunga. They bring in their, their, their blissing from the nickel position. And it's almost like, well, there are no side adjustments that, that, are, that are made. I mean, you may have a tight end that's out there chipping maybe the nickel or trying to divert the nickel coming in. But then this, in, instead of, you know, turning around, breaking off their route, they keep running vertical and they put Russell in a tight situation because he's got a hand in his face. So the idea is that be make sure they're positive and first and second down and make sure that third down is manageable. Or how about this for, 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 for an act? How about not being in third and long, period? How about that, right? And this is where the team needs to get better. But they can expect to see nickel blitzes moving forward until they find a way to stop it or make some kind of adjustment. So I expect, 
I mean, if I'm the Colts and I've seen the Broncos have not picked that up and haven't figured that out, I'm, I'm bringing someone down in the box and I'm bringing my nickel off the edge. Yeah, 100%, Nick. That's something that they've been they've been honestly really struggling with offensively uh, is picking up some of those blitzes. And, we, I mean, we even saw not just the nickel blitz. I mean, I, I believe the Raiders got home on, on that this last week, but they also did some twists up front that the Broncos obviously didn't pick up and Max Crosby came free. And it's like, how, did, how do you let Max Crosby come free? Now, I know there's more that goes into that than than just, you know, they just didn't block Max Crosby, right? Um, but I, I think that... That, that's a huge part of this. And again, you cannot get into these third and longs. And and this week, you know, I, I think that they can they can maybe improve there. I'm looking at the stats here. The Colts, uh, they, they're tied for 14th in the league in, in third down defense. So they're they're right there in the middle of the pack. Uh, so I think that maybe you can pick up some of those. But again, the key to being good on third down is being good on first and second down. Uh, and so I, I think that that's where the biggest improvement has to be this week for this offense. And I, again, this Colts defense is pretty good. They're going to be without, obviously, their star linebacker, Leonard. Uh, he's not going to be playing this week. So that obviously is helpful for the Broncos. Uh, but I think it's another week that the Broncos offense can take another step in the right direction. Nick, do you want to jump into some predictions or do you have something else on your mind? Well, you know what? Uh, even though uh, the talented uh, linebacker Shaquille Leonard is not going to be in, but uh, Zaire Franklin, yeah. who is uh, tackling a machine, he, he still is going to be there. And the one thing about that, that the linebackers on the second level, I mean, they're quick trigger guys. They get downhill really fast. They react to the run. This is where the Broncos can take advantage of that aggressiveness. This is where you start to run that outside zone and you run the, the boot keep game that we saw. I, I'm going to keep saying it every week until we see some change with the Broncos offense that we saw in the Seattle game that we still haven't seen yet. That stuff actually works, believe it or not. That's why everyone runs it. And you look at the game last night between the 49ers and the Rams, guess what Kyle Shanahan was doing? He was he was getting guys in motion. He was, you know, getting so much movement back there that he created space, you know, in the run game, in the passing game. And even though Hackett runs a version of that offense, we haven't really seen you know, the evolution get to the point of where we're seeing with the 49ers. Hopefully it gets to that point. But this is why I like watching the 49ers offense actually work because it puts pressure on the defense to defend every square inch of the field. That's what we're not seeing with the Broncos offense thus far. If they start to do that, especially utilizing the tight ends, you were talking about third down a while ago. If they start to utilize that, now the Broncos are becoming more efficient on third down opposed to where they are right now. Yeah, and I every time the tight ends get brought up, Nick, I'm just baffled by how little they are used in this offense. I mean, Alberto, I think I think I saw the snap counts. It was like, I think he had one snap uh, against against the Raiders, which is just wild to me. And I don't hey, know if that's Hold on, George. I hate to interrupt you. I mean, you do know why he's only having very limited snaps, right? Yeah, because I think they don't trust him. Yeah, that's right. They don't trust him. Yeah, and and that's a problem. And, and it's it, I'm not saying that's on the coaching staff because clearly something's going on where they don't trust him. But like he was supposed to be a guy that was supposed to be a, a big contributor in this offense. And you know what? We should have seen this coming because remember, Nick, we all talked about it in the preseason. Why is it? Why isn't he playing? Why is he? Or you know, why is he playing all the way into the fourth quarter? Right? I think that was the Buffalo game and things like that. We should have seen this coming, that they weren't going to use him. Uh, but it's concerning, man. Like, this, the tight end should be a big part of this offense and what they're trying to do, and they just have not been using him. And I think it's it's one, they don't trust Albert O, and then the other three guys aren't pass catchers. Like, that's just not what they typically do. I think we've seen some of it from Eric Saubert, but that's still not his number one skill set, I would say, as a tight end. So they really need Greg Dulcich to be – a guy that can maybe give them a spark in that area. I, I, we mentioned it earlier. I don't think he'll play this week, but maybe he's a guy that can help them. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I think you're right. They need to do some more of the play action boot, get Russell Wilson out of the pocket because that's where he's at his best, right, Nick? We've seen that when he uses his leg legs. And I'm not saying run run with him all the time, but get him outside the pocket. Let him scramble around. Let him throw it down the field. That's where he is at his best. So I wonder if they'll get back to that. Because like you said, that's what he was doing in, in Seattle and in and, and that first game. I mean, they were doing some of that stuff and, and getting Andrew Beck 
Remember, Andrew Beck was having the game of his life uh, in that game. They were throwing the ball to the tight ends. We have not seen that, um, you know, the last three games. So be interesting to see what they do. Nick, let's get some some quick predictions uh, for this this week's game on Thursday night. Well, uh, short week. So I'm going to give the tip of the cap to the Denver Broncos. And once again, I think this this is Thursday night. Guys are banged up. Not going to be able to change too much of your game game plan. It's still going to be one of those uh, tight games. So 21-14 Broncos. Yeah, I like the Broncos this week too. Um, I liked them last week and they lost. So I don't know if I know anything. Um, But I do think that on a short week playing at home, I think that you have a good point, Nick. They've got to come here, right? They've got to come to Denver on a short week. Jonathan Taylor's a little bit banged up. Um, I just don't think Matt Ryan is somebody that can get the job done this week against this Broncos defense. I think they play better than they did. Um, I think the offense continues to struggle, though. I think that it it might be a little bit of a barn burner. But I'll take the Broncos 17-14 in a close one on on Thursday night football. But, Nick, anything else you want to add before we get out of here um, for the week? And and I think our plan, we'll have – you know, a podcast on Friday recapping the game. Obviously, it's a weird week for us, so no podcast on Thursday morning. Well, one thing I would say, hey, look, Melvin Gordon is going through a tough situation. We've always found our, ourselves going through that. So, hey, let's try to pick him up on Thursday night instead of breaking him down. That's part of the standard of being a member of the Broncos country. So let's protect our own. Yeah, well, and just to add to that, Nick, I think that's a really good point is, like, I understand people are mad and frustrated with Melvin Gordon. But if for this team to win and get to where fans want them to be this year, they need Melvin Gordon to be good. And yeah. I think that, you know, only, you know, bringing him down all the time is not going to help him get any better. Right. Uh, and, and clearly, I think a large part of his issues are mental. So mm-hmm. I think that it's important for people to support him, obviously, the fans, but really in that locker room. Right. Guys to pick him up like Russell Wilson. We heard that audio after the game. I think that's really important for his guys to pick him up because he's going to be a big part of this this team moving forward. So I think you're, you're right on with that, Nick. But thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast this week. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, share the podcast, share it with your mom, share it with your dad, your friends, your brother, whatever, whoever. Uh, make sure you guys get this out there. But thanks again for, for listening to Touchdown Denver, and we'll see you guys again on Friday.